the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, February 20th. I'm sure by now you listeners recognize these muted tones. What does that mean? It means I'm in another hotel room. So I'm on the broadcast for the 2022 Division I Men's ITA National Indoor Championships. What a first two days of action we have had on our hands here in Seattle, Washington, as 16 of the top teams in the country compete for the right to be named the 2022 National Indoor Champion. Hopefully, all of you listeners have tuned into some of the action here through the first two days. If for some reason you have not, let me just say two things. A, you're missing out, folks. Truly sensational tennis, high quality action, dramatic finishes, all of the pettiness as well you only get in the college tennis sphere. We've featured it all through our first two days of action. Now, the second thing I would mention, and the good news for all of you listeners who perhaps you just had things, prior engagements on Friday and Saturday, you haven't been able to check out any of the college tennis. The good news is we got two more days to go. Of course, tomorrow, our last full day of coverage, we have eight matches on the day, our two semifinals, as well as six consolation matches of course on monday we'll have our championship match that match going to be noon pacific time 3 p.m eastern time hopefully you all tune in to our crack rackets youtube channel it's myself it's the coach mark bay super producer daniel westoff on the ones and twos as well so again sunday our coverage starts 9 a.m pacific time noon eastern that monday championship match noon pacific time three eastern it's the last time i'm going to say it Tune in, folks. You don't want to miss out on the action. And for those of you who perhaps have and want to play catch up or for those of you who tuned in and want to hear some extended thoughts, we have just the episode for all of you listeners today. As on today's show, I want to go through day two of the 2022 ITA Men's National Indoor Championships. And if we're talking college tennis and we're talking it late at night, there's like a list of three people, two people, really, I can turn to to help me steer the ship. One of them, of course, joining me here today on the show. And I'm going to be honest, it's been far too long since I've had this guest on the podcast, even though it's only been three days technically. And of course, you just feel like so much college tennis action has unfolded. That is why I am thrilled to be joined today. And I don't say that often when it's this guest, but thrilled to be joined today by a man you know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, lover of mothers, lover of almond joys, lover of Berman, a uh, bourbon, excuse me, a post-prime Greg Maddox and a man I have learned does not enjoy watching paint dry. It is my friend, Chris Halioris. Chris, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Have you enjoyed this action? Yeah, I'm doing great. I mean, boy, you couldn't ask for more, uh, more action. What, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, you know, 12 hours and getting to listen to you, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a it's a good 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 weekend for sure. Yeah, it's the two things you love most: watching college tennis and listening to my voice without the opportunity to respond. I'm sure uh, you are just living it up. But I will say this: I miss you. I always enjoy over these past what three out of the last four, whatever it may be. Knowing at the national indoor something crazy happens, I can turn to you. We can talk about it 
immediately. Of course, shout out to Mark Bay, who's helped me steer the coverage as well. But yeah, I'm excited to have you here on the show to talk about day two. I will also say this to all of you listeners, because I give Chris a lot of grief, but I try to obviously keep this positive veneer for all of you listeners. I try to remain as happy as possible throughout the day. Let me just say any negative energy I have, I channel it all at Chris. And so I'm immensely (laughs) grateful you are my therapist. Yeah, you are my therapist. The good news is you don't take any of it personally. You know, I love you. And it's just like, hey, I either yell at you or I yell at the thousands of people watching right now. I'm going to yell at you instead, Chris, because I love you so. So I'm immensely grateful again for you tolerating my nonsense. And I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on day two and what we want to do on today's show. Of course, focus on our four quarterfinal matches, that matchup between TCU, Texas, of course, we had Ohio State, Wake Forest, Tennessee versus South Carolina, Baylor, Kentucky. Want to recap those matches, want to preview tomorrow's semifinals as well. I'm going to offer Chris the chance to speak on some of the consolation results also as we go through the complete smorgasbord. I don't think that's the right word, but again, my brain doesn't really work after 14 hours of talking. The complete board of matches here on day two. With all that said, as always, a shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for the latest and greatest equipment. One location to turn to, tennis-point.com. You use that promo code CR15. Not only we let them know we sent you there, you'll get 15% off your all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis balls tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 with all of that said i don't even know where to begin here on day two a day with a couple of 4-0 results a day with a couple of 4-3 results we got everything we were looking for but the place i want to start is the team that has impressed me most through the first two days. It's a team you are perennially, perennially, excuse me, high on. It's also the team I am sharing a floor with here in my hotel. And that, of course, is the TCU Horned Frogs, who have been nothing short of electric here on their way to the semifinals. You look for the Horned Frogs yesterday. They drop the doubles point against Virginia, end up earning a 4-2 victory here today. They just shut down anything their opponents Texas wanted to throw at them. You never got the big Texas roar as hard as Cleve Harper was trying at that number six singles spot. That energy we're so accustomed to seeing Texas playing with, that energy that pushed them over the hump in their 4-3 round of 16 victory over Florida and all of those four three victories last year, it was never apparent in today's match. And that's simply put because TCU gave them the business. TCU taking a definitive doubles point, 6-2 win at one, 6-3 win at two, and then straight set victories at the two, three, and four singles positions. Chris, is TCU our most impressive team of the weekend thus far? I'm certainly one of them, yeah. I mean, they are the semifinals. They're one of four remaining. Yeah, you only have four choices, right? But, uh, but uh, yeah, and I can't say that it was totally totally unexpected. In fact, you know, I alluded to it before the tournament started that that the the winner of the TCU Virginia match I expected to be a shot. If and you know, it would be more of a dark horse if it was Virginia because TCU is obviously a pretty high seed already at, at a five, but but it would still be considered an upset by everybody if, if they were to knock off Ohio state. But I thought the winner of that match had a good shot because I think, you know, Ohio state untested away from home. So, and we already saw Washington give them a little bit of that test to out of the gate. 
uh, and and indoors, you know, both TCU and Virginia have some are good indoor teams. So so yeah, they they've been impressive and and you know, I fully expected kind of what happened today, but maybe not even in the manner that they just got out so quick and just, you know in straight set three straight set wins and singles after taking doubles it was very you know, super super impressive yeah and of course perhaps even more impressive for this team they took five first sets after taking that doubles point and you know even before that they struggled in doubles against virginia right they got bageled at the number two double spot and today sander jong louis maxted they performed so well, taking it to Pierre Bailey, CM Wall deep in that 6-3 win. And then again, CMR and Harper had lost like four times coming into this match. I think 16 and four overall on the year and had, you know, made the push up to the number one spot. Of course, no Elliott Spaziri still for Texas in terms of in the doubles lineup and just health-wise, he can't hit through two-handed backhands. He just can't do it with the state of his left wrist. And there's no doubt when this team gets a healthy Spaziri back, they go to the next level. And the fact that they made the quarterfinals with him only hitting backhand slices is a testament to this team's effort. But, you know, again, against Florida, they were so loud from the start. And this match was at 9 a.m. And certainly that plays a factor, right? It's a little harder to get loud and be excessive, I suppose, is the word I'll use at 9 a.m. But it's also hard to do that when you're losing just about everywhere. And I thought it was so key for Fomba and Fernley at the number one double spot. And Jake Fernley. Oh my God, is he playing well? We'll get there in a second on how he should have finished the match sooner than he did. But he and Famba just, there was never an opportunity for Richard CMR and Cleve Harper who let out roars when they're, when they're working, there was just never an opportunity for them to do that, to get the Texas, you know, bandwagon moving. And as good as Braswell Huang looked at three, again, it was one OTCU in about 25 minutes and five first sets for them. And I think the place for us to start is Pedro Vives, the freshman who we knew was going to be good, right? All the coaches spoke highly of him. He had the UTR pedigree. He had some great, you know, non-college results results, but he identified the weakness in Elliot Spaziri. He broke it down rigorously in a way that Andy Andrade eventually did for Florida, but didn't do it from the start and just neutralized the serve, the forehand of Spaziri, had Spaziri overthinking and just, you know, the fluidity of him at four. Mike Cation has talked me out of the lock word. I'm not using that L word moving forward, but this is a freshman at four who has just looked exceptional, Chris. Yeah, I certain you have to like what you see. And and you if you're Dave Roditi, you, you know, heck, this is, you know, he's just starting to play. So he's only going to get better. And it's a good spot for him to grow from. Uh he's he's looked tremendous. It's I think that's been a real bright spot for them, uh, along with like you said, I mean, you know, Fernley's been playing tremendous. But yeah, Vives has been a very, you know, you never know. You need to really get your eyes on these guys. You never know how good some of the freshmen are going to be because a lot of them can come in, you know, very heralded, but untested. And then when they get into college, it's not only a battle of just all the guys you're going to play, but it's the college atmosphere and how well they adapt to the team concept when all they've played is individual their whole life. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's fitting in well, that's for sure. Yeah, and all the credit in the world to Sander Jong, who, by the way, was up 6-3-3 love, love 40 and had, or 40 love and had all these opportunities to really put that match away. But, you know, yesterday he lost to Vonda Schulenberg and he got bageled in doubles. Today he wins doubles, wins his singles match. That's why they call him the landlord, folks. And by the way, never doubt in Alexander. I've said that for years. Alexander, Sander Jong, delivering for our namesake. To me, 
two things. Other th- well, a for on Fernley, I mean that that match was in a third set. Come on, like that was if you're Jake Fernley, like T Swift, you shake it off and maybe you even go to the Men in Black and you ask them for the mind wiper and just be like, can you erase the last forty five minutes of that match for my brain, please? Because credit to Waldeep who stepped up his energy, but Fernley just. He just got a little tentative and whatever, but he's playing so well. But, you know, again, the coaching decision, I actually, Jirasek lasting as long as he did in that first set from for, against Cleve Harper just prevented the Cleve roar, right? It prevented the momentum push. But the real thing here, Juan Carlos freaking Aguilar. I mean, comes over from AM, of course, highly touted, played top three for them, part of an NCAA semifinalist team and national indoor semifinalist team, I believe, as well. But he just... I mean, again, that match against Pierre Bailey, two guys who can do a little bit of everything on the court. The difference was Aguilar's ability to move forward, put the ball away, four and four victory. He clinches, was so steady throughout the match, then lets out just this epic roar after he earns the clinch. I mean, I know I threw a lot of things at you there, Chris. Your thoughts on Aguilar. And again, for this TCU team, here's my other question. Are they peaking right now? Like, is this the best TCU can look? Because I do think... Baylor is not peaking right now. They have gotten by, despite, in my opinion, not playing their best tennis yet. I also would argue a bunch of the teams in the draw. Virginia clearly hasn't peaked. USC, very, very young. Kentucky played without Draxel today. They're closer to peaking. Texas, certainly a non-healthy Ciamara. I guess that's the question. Are we seeing the best version of TCU right now? Maybe. I mean, my my only fear here is, you know, we, we... we're playing around at six, right? I mean, it, it, we, we've played Maxted. Now we played Jirasek today. Uh, but so, I, I mean, I think someone's going to, someone's going to step into that position and, and fill it and, and do well. I think, I don't think they're there yet. They will get better. But to your point on Aguilar, you know, I, I blame you, Alex, because you were unable to do, the recap and preview last night when I was available. So I did not get to make my predictions today where I would have said Juan Carlos is not going to be out grinded by Bailey. Sorry, Juan, I can't take you against Kingsley tomorrow. So, I mean, you know, it's the, the Juan Carlos pick. You're just going to have to wait another day. Juan Carlos. Uh, no, but, I just uh, to add some color to that because I have the pleasure of not only sharing a hotel floor with TCU, I see them every morning in the workout room and they play at noon tomorrow. So I'm not going to get to see them. I'm kind of sad about that, but today, and I love you, you know, he's my guy, Aguilar, obviously he goes, what do I got to do to get Chris to pick me? Like, do I need to beat Steve Johnson? <laughs> do I need to win 72 matches in a row? Like to your point, that's hilarious. So I think in his mind, he's like, keep picking against me, please. But I didn't mean, yeah, to- yeah, I'm, it's a, it's actually that's a that's perfect. It's my plan, right? Everybody knows that I love TCU, so I'm just going to keep picking them against them. I'm going to make him mad, and that roar is clearly half directed at me. So uh, it's all good. It, it's working, Juan. See, the the I love oh. it when a plan comes together. So with that in mind, talk about a plan coming together. The only reason I started this podcast was that someday I could be featured on the Rodidi Report. I butchered the accent so badly. I'm so angry with myself. Um, what do you think of my performance? I have to ask. It's, it sounded a lot closer to say a Baratini than it does a Roditi. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, 
it was still great to see you on there. I was, you know, highly jealous that now my nephew has been featured on a Roditi report. My partner's been featured on a Roditi report. I don't know. I, uh, I know. One day I'll get there, Gruskin. You just got to pick Aguilar. That's the key. Um, <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I think I got the words right. Like to go from great performance and then to do the Aguilar bit. Like I was so happy with my little Aguilar bit because I've heard him go on that little 15 second tangent where he just like goes and he's like, you know, Aguilar, TCU. Great. This is the dream. Um, and just like, again, but a huge thank you to Coach Rodidi for having me. Um, yeah. And by the way, when I say this TCU team is peaking, what I mean to say is, A, they're playing just better than the other teams here in the field. And I think the field can catch up to them come May. But B, what this shows you is their peak is as good as any team in the country. And their peak is good enough to compete for and potentially win a national championship here in Seattle. Is that hyperbole? I mean, obviously they're in the final four, but I don't think I'm wrong. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, they're very capable. Yeah. And you know what else they are? Healthy. When was the last time we saw TCU this healthy? Like ever? Cam Norrie? Yes. Not not often. Every year all we're doing is talking about injuries, including this year. Uh, and now we're getting to see that, you know, they're not they're not playing whoever's playing six because there's nobody left on the bench to play They're You know, it's actually a coach's decision, which is good to see. No, even Tim Rule's getting in the mix. I'm telling you, he and Aguilar were down 5-2 today. To have them at three doubles, that's a team, folks. But so, again, TCU, 4-0 victory. That wasn't just a 4-0 symbolic victory. They were 4-0 better than Texas today. On the flip side, first two days for the Longhorns, your takeaways. I'm encouraging the way they pulled that out, that match out against Florida for for sure. Sure. I mean, a, a revenge match after having lost to them, uh, you know, take the doubles point this time. And I've, yeah, that was, and, and let's, I mean, let's be honest, Spaziri, even though they've dropped him to four, hasn't won a match. So you, you know, it, even to me, that's even more encouraging for them as a team that they're, they're winning without him. And, you know, maybe at this point you have to debate, him holding the spot and pushing two guys down is that better than just if he's really unable to win uh, where he's playing are you better off just kind of pulling like him but either in yeah exactly and that, which i think if you I mean i i think legitimately if coach burke thought you know in his own mind he thought yeah elliot doesn't really have a chance to win he would pull him i mean he's obviously not throwing him out there as a sacrificial lamb uh, but, you know, maybe after one day he thought, all right, it just it was taking him a day to get it back after two days. Maybe that maybe we see that tomorrow that he does that, you know, Spaziri gets a day off and, and they let uh, they let Chi Chi come in and play. But but it, nonetheless, it, they've I've been impressed. And even though they lost 4-0 today, like you said, they were in a third set at one. They were up a set and 4-1 on six and they were in a third set on five. So, the you know, all of the matches left could have easily gone their way. Uh, you know, it could have ended up a four, three match. They just, but you know, TCU overall, all just yeah. too good. And I have to give you credit because as you know, nothing is more valuable than a Bruce Burke laugh. And after their win over Florida, I reused your text to our group chat. So I'm citing you here now. And I go, Hey, doubles one, two, three, just like you drew it up. Right. And he goes, and he starts 
cracking up and he's like that's the opposite of how i drew it up and i was like i know right i was like great yeah. joke i thought of it myself draws up beating florida one two three yeah <laughs> exactly and so anyways i agree with you i actually come out of this weekend much higher on texas like they just have that it that it factor and they just didn't cmr did not play well today but he is just a brick and the energy he's bringing at three man when you get a healthy spazeri and potentially move him back down to four like oh my god this texas team has it cleve harper at six is just a joke it's just a joke. Like he is just so, I mean, he was 20 and six last year at four and he's playing six now. And, 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 you know, the, and the guy to me, that's been a little puzzling has been CM Waldy as usual. Like he'll go, he goes down a set and, you know, a break or two up. and then, and then all of a sudden, Oh, it's time to play. Okay. Here I'm, I'm going to play. Let's go three. Yeah. Uh, two yeah. Alex Gruskin jokes, originals for you. Since I stole yours earlier, a that code, my, my guy, Cody Johnson was doing the alternative or filling out the alternate team stuff to have the ballot ready. And I go, two spots you don't need to do four singles it's jj tracy i'm just like don't worry about it trust me i'll be right you can just you can pen that one in now it's fine yeah. second one for five singles it's elliot spaziri when he's down a set uh, excuse me cm Waldeep when he's down a set and five something it's like that <laughs> that cm Waldeep is all tournament team because that guy is just a freaking beast but that was the texas swing in the morning and again we'll talk about the constellation matches at the end let's move on now to our next semifinal, and we're going to do this slightly out of chronological order just so we can go recap recap preview but let's talk about the ohio state buckeyes who earned the other 4-0 victory today over wake forest but you know it didn't exactly feel like a 4-0 victory and it's certainly when you look for this buckeye team they were pushed to the brink against washington they won that match 4-1 you could have written 4-3 and i actually think we've learned a lot about washington i'm sure we'll talk about them on next thursday's deciding point i fired off a take i'm sad i wasted it on the broadcast Washington's going to finish hot. Yeah. Washington over UCLA. You like that one? Yeah. You know, it, it, you said it and I went, I don't, I, my mind doesn't want to believe it. Yeah. But if I, but if I actually, the same way that when we did the preview picks, I sort of said, I'm just going to step back and go bigger picture. Sure. You know, this is the way things look. Absolutely. If you step back and go bigger picture, how do those two teams look? Yeah, Washington actually looks good, and UCLA looks like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I don't, I still don't believe it. I mean, I still think somehow UCLA turned, you know, gets it turned around just because they have the talent. But, but yeah, from from a way they look, it's, I, it's hard to argue that right now. Can I just say, and you know, when it gets this late, I get very lovey. As you know, it's 2 a.m. Eastern time. I could not love 2 a.m. Chris more than I do right now after that sound effect. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, that's the Gruskin sound I know, effect. I know. You see the smile on my face to those of you watching this live. God, I miss you. Um, okay, okay. Anyways, stay focused, Alex. Um, we talk about this Ohio State team who, you know, 4-0 over Kentucky. 4-0 over Virginia, 4-0 over Tennessee, 7-0 over Wake Forest, all of those matches in the Ty Tucker Tennis Center in Columbus. They're on the road now. And look, they got punked in doubles last night. The number one and two teams in the nation lose uh, for them. And obviously, they not only lost to the doubles team, but they lost to the 200-plus fans in the Nordstrom Tennis Center, which has been rocking. Washington flying up the power rankings in terms of best at getting fans to show up at their matches. Oh my God, is this a fun environment? 
But you talk about Ohio State tonight, the energy they didn't have at the start of match number one, they brought tonight. And you know Ty Tucker and Justin Kronog either and even Hunter Callahan, their coaching staff, stressed that all in the layover between this match and yesterday's match. And look, votes on cash responded. 6-3 win over Bath and Thea and Schneider at one. And then I think the biggest revelation here for the Buckeyes, let's start with the doubles point. Kingsley and Tracy are so good at three. Like, you found your team. They're undefeated. 6-2 today over, today over Macy Ag and Draper, who are good. Like, Macy Ag and Draper, that's a good doubles team. And by the way, if you're Wake Forest, kind of like their doubles point, even though it's a bunch of weird pieces in different places. I really like it. Um, no Melios of Stafloof today, but obviously, let's start with that doubles Ohio State, well, let's just go overall. Ohio State with the win there and then straight sets on one, four, and six. Do they right the ship today? Are they getting closer to their pre-national indoor form? How are you feeling about the Buckeyes? Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit of it was, hey, everything has been played at home up to now. They sure. come and they get the first match that's away. And not 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 is it really, you know, their first match isn't just neutral site. Their first match is truly a road match because they draw the host. Now, granted, it was, you know, the the host that's the one that's not a top 16 team, if you will, uh, and maybe came in expecting it to be a little easier than it was and got, you know, got woken up pretty quickly. But uh, but yeah, I think all of that just kind of the maybe a, maybe a, a little too uh, overconfident and then the first first match away from home new you know different courts they'd never played on all of the above they they settled in a little bit more today but i still think they're you know even with the way they settled in today they they're showing some you know some vulnerability we you know we talk about them as holy cow anything short of winning it which is true is going to be a disappointment for them and they're such a heavy favorite but uh i mean TCU is more than capable of beating them and or making it a great match either way tomorrow, right? It's I expect a good match. So, so yeah, I, you know, the problem is just, and we've talked about this, JJ Tracy is just not, it's going to be very difficult for anybody to beat him at four, right? I mean, Taha came really close in that first set. Yeah. In the first set. And then how many games did he get in the second? You know, none. Yeah. So, uh, and we've seen all weekend, you know, these teams that have given up a bunch of sets, you know, maybe they've given up, they've taken doubles and then given up four first sets. Like we saw, we'll talk about in one of the later matches here, but, uh, you know, you're going to come back, even your better players are okay. They give up a set. They're going to come back and get it in three anyway. And, and Tracy didn't have to do that, but he's, he's so good there indoors, if you get a guy, if you get a, an opponent against Robbie Cash that is not good at handling pressure and someone just coming forward at you, that's going to, you know, you're done. I'm Rob, you know, Robbie's game is going to be pressure, 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 and he's going to be at the net 80% of the time. And he's very, very good at it. So you've got to have the game that can either keep him off the net or a good passing game. Uh, and he really took advantage of, of Kit, Sid the Kid today uh, w- with that game. So, yeah, I mean, they look good. I think, uh, you know, you're, if you're going to beat them and it's, it's spots that Wake had light in, but if you're going to beat them, it's almost a must that you beat Van Emberg at three and Trotter at five. I mean, and those are not easy tasks, but when you look at that lineup, you're going, holy cow, Votzel and Kingsley at one, two, Tracy at four. 
and cash coming, you know, at the net uh, at six. Wow. We, indoors. I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Indoors. So you're down to like, we have to win at three and five. And then even if you win at three and five and somehow try to win at doubles, which seems, you know, very improbable, even though Washington did it, you're still another match. So you got to go find one of the other ones. So yeah, they're, uh, they look, they look really good. Mm-hmm. If someone it listens to this pod and speaks with Jack Anthrop frequently because he has caught me watching him play, stalking his practices. And like, he gave me a look today, like, dude, why do you keep watching? Here's the answer because I see him practicing and I'm like, this kid's on the bench. I'm like, are you serious right now? Like no disrespect to Robert cash, but I'm like, they have this in the queue. It's just like, Oh my God. Um, yeah. To your point, you know, that's going to, that's going to be Ty's secret weapon. Us if, and I don't even know, right. If you I mean, because he hasn't played, the plan could be to redshirt him. Ty loves to redshirt these kids. Right. So don't know if that's going to happen. If he doesn't, He's going to be like his secret weapon come out. We always talk about how Ohio State's the indoor team, and they are. They're always good indoors. Anthrop is a Florida kid that doesn't play indoors at all. So when they get to be outdoors, that could be a huge surprise for a lot of people. Do you want to bet dinner that Luchanek is listed in the NCAA lineup? Like, do we bet a dinner on it? Because you probably you probably think it does happen. So do I is the thing that Ty lists him in the lineup somehow. That's the real secret weapon. I love you, Andrew. You know that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's funny because Trotter was down a 7-6 first set today. He missed a passing shot backhand that would have set up a set point in that tiebreaker up 5-4, uh, you know, dropper that Schneider left out, and he tried to get cute with it. I saw that it down the line just Yeah, wide. and Ty was so angry after he missed that ball and, like, Oh my God. One wonders if that would have happened in a practice, what the reaction would have been, but that had happened to match. Ty was like, rain it in, rain it in. He's like, don't get a code violation for yelling at the player here. Not to be disrespectful. See, this is why I don't pod this late after the song. Cause I say things that are going to get me in trouble. Um, yeah. I mean, here's the thing you say beat Trotter. It's like, but Trotter should have won that first set and he beat Schneider three and three when they played in Columbus. It's like, if that's your spot, good luck. Now I'll say this, Jake Van Emberg is definitely vulnerable right now. Now, certainly his comeback against Washington, so impressive. And Filippo Moroni, the soft Moroni fight, we were wondering, Tachi Moroni, we're just a year early, as always on Wake Forest, because Moroni is that good. And he's just so smooth out there. And, you know, again, Van Emberg was playing well, had opportunities, was up early in that first set. Moroni able to flip the script there. Jake's playing better, but he's not playing his best. You're right, but... Votzel is playing his best two and three over a Karamov who's playing much better now. And Cannon Kingsley, six, four, five, all breaks Nava when Nava's serving for the set and just, yeah, Tracy's not going to lose cash indoors, just the amount of attacking he does. And then it's like, okay, we win doubles. We win Tracy. We're going to get one of the top two. We only need to find one more. It's just like the match calculus for this Ohio State team is so pure. And look, they've beaten everyone. They've beaten Wake twice and all these teams. Again, Tennessee, UVA, Kentucky. You're a fool if you doubt them. At the same time, like even without Estafalu today, Karamov played votes so closer than a two and three scoreline. Like that was a really good match at one. Nava was right there with Kingsley in that second set. Maroney's up on Van Emberg. Schneider's up on Trotter. The era, aura of invulnerability, I don't want to say it's completely dissipated, but Ohio State's, you know, again, if TCU beats Ohio State, I will no longer be shocked. If one of Tennessee or Baylor beats Ohio State, I will no longer be shocked. That said, they're still the favorites. Like, they really do look 
that good here on the indoors on the flip side and feel free to add any final Ohio state commentary you have. I actually, again, this wake forest team just competes and just everywhere across the board, there's a calmness to them. It's I know I'm projecting the personality traits of Tony Bresky, but there's a chippiness to them as well. They just fight, they scrap, they, they, you know, wake forest won a national championship not that long ago and competed for a national title in both the indoors and outdoors in 2019. They believe they are just as good as any team in college tennis and just there's a solidness to them. They're not great, but they're good everywhere. Maroney's rounding into form. If Nava's not playing one, he can win, you know, again, and even at one, he can win any match he plays with that serve, that forehand when they're firing. It, you know, it felt like Wake didn't play their best match today, but they gave that 150% effort you need to give on this stage. And that allowed them to stay alive to when they were starting to play their better tennis on some spots. You know, again, without a stop, Lou, I actually feel pretty good about this Wake team coming out of this national indoors. Like you saw the 4-3 against Tennessee and you weren't sure. And you saw the 4-3 against Michigan. You're like, what was that? 4-3 yesterday against Georgia. And that's two 4-3 matches against Georgia, but not exactly sure how you feel about Georgia. Yes, it was a second 4-0 loss to Ohio State, but I actually thought they competed really well today. Yeah, I mean, I am encouraged. I think, but my, my take on Wake is probably still the same as it was when we started the year. And that is they just, they don't have a true one. And I might even go the pathway to four. Sorry to cut you off. It's just like they can get four, but you never know how. Right. I mean, and, and it's going to be, you're, you're not, you're certainly not going in going, yeah, we're going to, we're counting on one because you're, you know, they just don't have that true one. They've got three guys there in Nava and Karimov and, and Melios that can probably just rotate themselves amongst those top three positions, but probably going to be a dog I mean, against the, any of the top teams uh, in the top one or two spots. But then they are, they're, they're super deep. The one, the kid that's impressing me the most is Maroney. I mean, I've seen a lot of him because obviously he's been on late in a lot of these matches clinching them. So when you've tuned in, even if you haven't seen the whole match, you get to see him, but he's looking and, and frankly, Schneider has looked really good too. And so for them to get that out of those two guys, when you know what you can get out of the returners in Melios and in, in Eduardo Nava uh, and even Tahabadi, it's a, they've, and and like you said, they're scrapping. They're they are playing as a team. It's just that little against the top teams being slightly shorthanded at the top of the lineup is a is just a little bit of a problem for them. But they can compete, you know, from from two to three down with everybody. Yeah, they make up. And 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 to your point, I actually do like their doubles as well. You look at the names and you're going, what really? These guys? That's Fancy that's a double. Schneider team? at one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm just, I'm, you're just, you just sit Banthia at one <laughs> doubles. I mean, I'm, come, come on. And then, you know, and then you see, uh, you know, Macy Ag, the, the transfer and, and playing with Ben Draper, another transfer from Cal. Uh, and we've seen Matthew Thompson playing doubles. Who uh, would be playing, just, yeah. by the way, but they were told only allowed nine players at the national indoors, not 10 like Tony wants to play. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. When you've got a team where you can, where you've got so many guys that are good at doubles that aren't playing singles, that becomes, that becomes an issue. Uh, But that's always been, been a rule is nine guys on the, on the, on the roster. So yeah, it's a, it's definitely an interesting uh, doubles lineup, but they compete really well. And I would say 
compared to many of the past years where, you know, especially when you go through the, the Petros Goyo bots or years, like they didn't even care about the, like, whatever, we'll give you doubles. We're going to win four singles matches. Mm-hmm. Like the doubles teams they have now, I think will put up better doubles numbers than they did then. Absolutely. No, that's a, that's a really good point. It does feel like they're a scander Mansuri short, like just add him from that team and how. Yeah. Yeah. Play. Take Seraphim and Mansuri together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, two, I need two things from you. Two official rulings. Now that I have your ear, a, are we still allowed to call him Sid the kid? Cause we know him as Sid the kid. Like those free Sokos Goyo bots or teams were our first teams covering this sport together. And so like, those are our guys. To us, he's still our freshman, right? Like he's still Sid the kid, but it's like, no, he's actually Sid the senior. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like your kid's always your baby. He's yeah. always Sid the kid. You know, it doesn't matter how. You, at 40, he's going to be Sid the kid. <laughs> I agree with you. Still Sid the kid. Second ruling. We agree, and I brought this up on the broadcast, that Tony Bresky sent something to Carlos Alcaraz, right? Like just, hey, like just in case you're considering college tennis, right? Like that letter got sent. I mean, along with Yannick Sinner and <laughs> I mean, FAA, he's like, hey, Felix, I know you've already won six challenger titles, but like Damajan was really good, too, before he came to college. Um, well, yeah, you know, you 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 joke. But 100 <laughs> percent. Because, you know, because I've I've gotten to see some of the inner workings, obviously, with family in that business now. And yes, those those go out you know, to, to guys like that before they've managed to make the huge jump. And then you laugh about it like nine months later going, wow, this guy, you know, (laughs) all of a sudden look, and I went ahead and sent him an email like a year ago and just said, Hey, if you're interested, (laughs) you know? So yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that I'm sure that happened. So true or false, Trevor reached out to Yuri Lahachka and was like, Hey, before you make this Rotterdam run, come play at Liberty. (laughs) Or no, no I don't think I don't I don't think Yuri, but I'm I'm sure I'm maybe that'll be a good one one day. We'll ask give us like your your top five names you've actually sent emails to that never came to college. No, again, sometimes best email sent. I'm adding that to the freaking cracked interviews repertoire uh, sent to a recruit. That's a hundred thousand percent going to be added. That's yeah, because there's no for for coaches to say it for a guy that never came to college. There's you know so what that's. Tell me Brian yeah, sure. Boland had Novak Djokovic signed and I will believe you like without <laughs> question, without question, Brian had Novak Djokovic signed. I'm starting that rumor right now at A.L. Gruskin. Um, <laughs> this is the again, it's our 15 of talking here, 2.13 a.m. Eastern time. Um, yeah, that's half the fun. But all right. With that said, and we're going to be quicker on the back half because. Just again, I don't want to keep you too long, Chris, as we inch closer and closer past 2 a.m., but let's preview Ohio State TCU, our first semifinal on the day. It's a noon uh, p.m. Pacific time start, 3 p.m. Eastern. Match calculus, who you got? All you, Chris. Well, I mean, I I look at it and I think the top two is as much grief as I just gave Juan Carlos. Um, I... Kingsley hasn't been playing great. I mean, we know he's good. He hasn't been playing to the level that we know he can play. Um, and I think he's very, he's, he's very beatable here. Uh, anytime you got Famba one, you know, you've got a shot. I look at those top two and go, let's, let's split the top two. I, you know, I don't know which way it goes, you know, who gets which one, but we'll split the top two. 
the spot that you have to, if you're TCU, Sanders Zhang has to beat Van Emberg if they're going to win. So let's say that let, let's say that happens, and we take Zhang there. Tracy Vives has looked great. Tracy's not losing. Uh, I mean, uh, n- not going to pick against him. Obviously, I'm not. He, he can lose, but certainly not going to pick against him. So now we're we're split two apiece. Uh, we come down. I mean, Fernley's looks so good. I've got to like Fernley there. So now I've got three. Robbie Cash against Jurassic I mean, or yeah, Louis Maxted against who? Yeah, I don't. I'd probably I'll go Maxted. No quantity. I would yeah. imagine it's going to be Maxted just because the freshman. I just think he can do a little bit more. You know, Jurassic a little bit more one dimensional. I think you want the guy who's a little bit more. Although the relentlessness of Jurassic into that Robbie Cash backhand, it's an interesting matchup. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think I'll, you're going to have to lean, you know, certainly indoors, you're going to lean cash there. So, so now I'm at three all and it comes and it's down to doubles. Yeah. I mean, there's no way you can get away any, either team could win. You can't get away from favoring Ohio state the way that, you know, they've started the year. Yes. They dropped a doubles point to Washington and that was a good wake up call, but, uh, but I think right there, yeah, I would. I like a four-three type match going the way of Ohio State. I I just I, all the matchups across the board: Cash Votzel versus Famba uh, Fernley, you know, Jong and Maxted versus Poulet and Trotter, and then Kingsley Tracy versus Aguilar Rule might be the best matchup on the board there. And it's like, yeah, you probably have to slightly favor Ohio State in that doubles point just again, given their track record of success. And they didn't just, again, I can't emphasize this enough. They didn't just lose the doubles to Washington. They lost it to the Washington crowd, which TC respectfully just won't have because we're not in Fort Worth. You broke it yeah, down that, perfectly. Splits across the board, right? Yeah, and you mentioned that the the Kingsley-Tracy mat, match at, at three, Aguilar is one of the best doubles players in, in the, the country, country. Period. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt. And in Tim Rule is going to have to make a lot of returns, but you know, at when you're at three doubles, it is a huge part of that game is just making serve returns that are, you know, in the court and not to the net man for, for put away. And you've got two guys in Kingsley and Tracy that if Kingsley doesn't get too aggressive on his return, they are going to, they're both very good returners. They're going to make a lot of balls. And, you know, in addition to the, just how good they are off the ground, there, you just put the ball in play and you don't give up free points. There, that's such a good three doubles team. It's yeah, and they've dropped you, ha- you have to lean that way. Yeah, they've dropped two games through two matches. I mean, again, do I think I don't even know who's more likely to win four singles matches if it's like if they had to do it? And you know, you made the comment you don't think Kingsley's playing his best. I actually think he's playing pretty well. Like he earns the victory down four one in that second set against Washington, rips off five games, four and four. Today was down a break in the second set, up six four five all when things stop. I agree. I would say Aguilar's playing closer to his best right now at two than Kingsley is. But like to your point, split. I have no idea who's winning what at that one and two, three and four. You probably lean Jong just given his level today versus Van Emberg, who struggled a bit. But then you're not picking against JJ Tracy. Five, six. Fernley's playing great. Trotter hasn't lost yet this season. You know, six. Cash is playing great, but that test of a Jirasek or a, a Maxted, who freaking knows? 
who freaking knows is my answer when it comes to a prediction. And so again, you say lean Ohio state for three sticks with the Ohio state Baylor predictions made across the board uh, at the start of this tournament for the final. It's going to be a fun one though. And then again, Roditi versus Tucker. Like that's another matchup. Bowen versus Kronagi, another fantastic matchup as well. Sign me up folks. 12 PM Pacific time. Be there. Crack Rackets YouTube channel. With that said, 40 minutes for the first half. Oh, boy. We're going to go a little bit faster here on the back half. I apologize to Tennessee, South Carolina, Baylor, and Kentucky fans, but let's start with Tennessee. It's a good thing I'm not getting up for an 8 a.m. Nuno match. Yeah, exactly. It's a good thing I'm getting up at 6 a.m. for a five-mile run. Um, so cool. you, you know what they call that in the business? Humble brag. I appreciate it. Shout out to me. Um, no, again, why do I do that? I, do I need to justify myself? Do listeners care about my early morning runs, Chris? Do they want to hear my strategy? I don't want coaches, though, to know my strategy. Oh, whatever. I'll say it out loud. It's because coaches will talk to you in the morning because it's early. The coffee hasn't hit in. And, like, you can – I mean, they'll talk to you most of the time anyways, but – in the gyms where you get the real scoops, folks. Um, anyways, none of that has to do with Tennessee, who got pushed, needed a gym, you know, needed to rely on their fitness, on their training, on their camaraderie, on their continuity. But, you know, there was a legitimate 30-minute window where you thought to yourself, oh, my God, South Carolina, after losing to Tennessee 4-0 and 4-1 last year, they're going to beat the volunteers today. And you look for South Carolina. Yes, they dropped the doubles point. And I do think that's a silver lining for Tennessee that they are starting to play better and better at doubles that Walner and Monday seem to be doing just as well as Monday and Prater, if not just as well, certainly haven't missed a beat there. And Walton and Harper finally rounding into form. Hud Mitsui continued to do their thing. But you look for South Carolina. They took five first sets. And I mean, Again, why was this match as close as it was? It's not because Tennessee played poorly. It's because South Carolina took it to them. Now, that said, Joe Monday's down a set and a break at two. Him and Coach Woodruff have a little talk. I'm not sure exactly what was said, but Monday goes on to win 11 of the next 12 games, 6-3, and 6-1, and sets two and three. And, you know, again, Emil Hud comes back 5-7-6-4-6-4 over Connor Thompson. And, you know, certainly you look for Adam Walton. He drops the first set against Rodriguez after serving for it 5-4, but is up 4-1 in the third at one. That's, you know, those spots, 1-2, they've been so good up there. They were continued to be good up there today despite the slow start. But, like, Mitsui lost. You know, South Carolina took 5-6. and six. James Story might be the all-tournament team number five singles player if he wins tomorrow. That's the story of the tournament, no pun intended. Uh, pun intended, I'll be honest. South, You sent this text. South Carolina won five and six, and Tennessee won this match. Am I drunk? Have I not slept enough, Chris? Like, what happened? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, and it's, uh, I'll start just on, on the South Carolina side, right? It's two days in a row, you, you know, you can choose to be the half, Half, the glass half full or the glass half empty guy, right? We, we've said they need production from five and six. And in particular, Story has got to step up and he's done that. And that's a big positive sign. On the flip side, Rodriguez and Lambling haven't won a match yet, uh, right? So, uh, you know, and those are the guys that, you know, the, the, the long tenured guys that you're, that you're counting on. But if you're gonna if you're gonna tell me that I you know I get to pick one set or the other, I'll take the five and six guys stepping up because I know 
Rodriguez and Lamblin will be there, you know, as the, as the season goes on, I really needed these guys to step up now and get a little confidence and, and yeah, they've looked great on the, you know, and on the flip side story, beating Mitsui, Mitsui has been close to unbeatable, right? I mean, he has looked absolutely outstanding. He and Monday have been kind of the, I mean, they've been locks in that lineup. Uh, and, and I was frankly, I, I was almost, I made that call on the AM match, right? I said, Hey, Perego, you can I, Jeannie, whatever. I'll be your poster child. You're not beating Monday or Mitsui. And, you know, thankfully that didn't happen in the first match. And I didn't get to say that before the second one, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Tennessee still to have come back from down five first sets. I mean, yes, you get the, you get the doubles point, but we always joke, Hey, would you rather have doubles or four first sets? Well, you know, every coach is going to tell you to take doubles because any, you know, three, yeah, you take the point on the board and the, and, you know, a three set are fine. But if you tell them you want doubles or five first sets, now I think the pendulum starts to swing to, Ooh, I think I'll take the five first sets. Maybe Uh, that's a, that's a big hole to, to, to dig, but yeah, I mean, again, Monday, uh, you know, just, he's not losing, Emil Hud indoors, you know, that's, he's, he has to take advantage and he did. Uh, and Connor Thompson's got a good game for, for that as well. Adam Walton makes the comeback in the third against Rodriguez. He's looking really good. I mean, th- that's setting up to be a, a really entertaining match. And then, you know, and Diaz comes up with the six, four in the third, uh, you know, and, and we, I, I keep talking anyway, like, Hey, Mitsui has got to move above, but then he goes and loses today and Diaz gets the win. So, uh, yeah, it's a, I think for me, for Tennessee, given that it, you know, it would appear there's not going to be any Blaze Picknell this year. Who knows? I don't know. Don't know what the status of that appeal is, but Prada out on top of it, we've got, you know, some rotating, you know, musical chairs position at six, whether we're going to play Harper, whether we're going to play Walner, whether we're going to play Connor Gannon, uh, you know, I, I don't know what we're going to get there. No, frankly, at least at indoors, none of them have been the answer, right? I mean, Harper was down, was down a set and a break when they lost yesterday. Walner loses today. That position is, you know, a little, and then you're going to have, and then, oh, by the way, you get Mizuchi tomorrow. Uh, I, I don't like the looks of that, you know, at, at six, but, but beyond that, they've looked really, really good. Well, they're a guy short right now. They're technically two, if you include Bicknell, but they are literally without Prada. And, you know, again, yep. Walner, Harper, most matches, that's going to be a pretty good option to turn to against the elite of the elite. It's a question mark. Certainly when you have guys like Cleve Harper and, you know, again, just all these options at the number six spot, and that's not meant to be disrespectful to Tennessee. That's meant to be complimentary of how good those other guys are. Although I always feel like Pat Harper thinks I don't like him already when Pat's my guy, like, so come on again, I'm, all the feelings are coming out here. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see these teams in person because they've been at the Seattle tennis club, Baylor, Tennessee, finally coming over to Nordstrom. I can't wait to just say hello, coach Mackay. Hello, Coach Woodson. Like, hello, everyone. It's good to see George. What's up, my guy, Georgie? Um, Yeah, I'm going to take an L real quick. I was just wrong about Angel Diaz. I I just was. I just was. And I, you know, I'm not sure how publicly I expressed this on the podcast, but 
I got the chance to see him and he didn't play his best at the Knoxville showdown when I was there in the fall. And I just didn't see the weapons. Like I sure bottom of the lineup, he's a guy who can always hang, but the competitiveness again, for him to go down four Oh in that uh, third set and rip off six straight games for him to have served for the set at four, lose the breaker. And then, you know, ultimately rip off a six Oh set in the second set as well. All he does is win six games consecutively. Clearly, he just, he knows how to scrap. He knows how to claw. That's a guy who played number one singles at UT Arlington. And just, you see that mindset and that ability to just find ways to win points in unconventional ways. It's, you know, it's, it's diet Adam Walton at that number four spot for Angel Diaz. And I don't think that's disrespectful, right? That's, I, I think that's a compliment. You can tell me if I'm wrong, Chris, but like you mentioned it, the, the running joke is Mitsui at five is a stack. You put Diaz at four and you're getting away with it. You're so happy. Well, today, Mitsui, the freshman, takes his first loss, and it's Diaz who comes from behind to deliver. What? What? I, I was wrong. You, you've got it, Angel Diaz. I apologize to you and Tennessee Nation. It's a great pickup for Coach McKay and the team. And, yeah, again, they may be struggling at six right now, but doubles and every other position you feel really, really good about if you're Tennessee on the flip side. Quick power rankings, Kentucky, South Carolina, Georgia, go. Uh, in that order right now. Kentucky one, South Carolina two, Georgia three. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky is, I mean, we're going to settle that score tomorrow. Uh, sure. They play Kentucky sure. and South Carolina, right? Uh, but we're going to see a uh, presumably, right, a Draxelis Kentucky, uh, which is obviously going to be, you would uh, assume a help, but even Draxel list, they go four, three with Baylor today. Uh, so, so they're still a very capable team, but yeah, I think, uh, I, I think that, I think they're a little bit above and then Georgia still, I mean, they're still struggling. They're just obviously bride's not playing his best. Um, you know, I don't know. They've got the same kind of question marks at six that a lot of these teams have, but, but they just haven't managed to put it together yet. Uh, and I think given where they are right now and South Carolina has looked coming into this, I would have said that, you know, I had them the other way around coming into indoors. I said, Georgia was, I had Kentucky in front either way, but then I had Georgia and South Carolina. I would, based off what I've seen at indoors right now, uh, I'm impressed with South Carolina. I would flip them. Coffee's has had his guys aggressive, loose, it feels a lot like the 2019 Tennessee team where it's just like this team's a year away where like these lumps are so valuable for them. And your coach golf, you say, Hey, we belong at this level. We just played Tennessee for three. And just like, again, most of this roster, the nucleus of this team coming back next season as well, 2019 Tennessee, they beat Florida in that sec tournament, make the final there and, you know, make the round of 16 at the NCAA tournament before another tough loss to that Florida team. South Carolina's in the mix. Like they really are. I agree with you, but it does. Am I wrong here? Does it feel like they're a year away from really being like top eight, top five? Yeah, no, that yeah. absolutely. Uh, I think they, they've got a little more, a, a little work to do. And, and yeah, they're another, uh, give them a year, give them two, you know, with the guys that, that, that coach Goffey's bringing in and yeah, they're, they'll be there. Yeah. I, I do have to say you, you take another L today in addition okay. to the angel Diaz for what? And I, because I was on the broadcast that somebody had asked the most animated coach and you and, and no, Mark Bay and I all agreed it's Roditi. But if we, if we take our heads away from, does it have to be a head coach? 
There is zero question it's Coach Makai. I think, first of all, I think it's him and Woodruff. Like, you said it's not Woodruff. I just disagree with you. Like, Yeah, oh, you, he, when, when he gets pumped. But his yeah. is more – Woodruff pumped is kind of like the, the point you were making. It's kind of like the Ty Tucker pump. It's like the – Man, get out of the way. That guy's a bull. You don't want to well, be anywhere he's just near like, it. He's always moving. I just like, he's always moving during these matches. It's just like backwards, forward. Yeah, there's just a lot of energy. No, you're you're absolutely right. But no, again, credit to Tennessee, who took us a, a gut punch, of, you know, punch in the face at, in that first hour of singles, dropped five first sets, and yet Monday refused to lose. Walton refused to lose. HUD grinds it out at the end at three. And then that performance from Angel Diaz, again, we learned a lot about South Carolina, but this Tennessee team continues to prove they belong amongst the elite of the elite, not just the elite, the elite of the elite. And now they're into another national semifinal where we get a rematch of last year's NCAA semifinal as they're going to take on the Baylor Bears. And again, if I would have told you before the start of the match, Liam Draxel was not going to be playing. Number one player in the country last year. Number one singles player. He's lost like five matches in his career in college. If I told you he was not going to be playing today, Chris. We probably both would have agreed 4-0 Baylor. Baylor takes the doubles point. But then UK punked him in that first hour of singles. They take four first sets. And, you know, it was the way they did it. 6-1 from Diallo over Soto. 6-2 from Musatelli over La. 6-2 from Lapidot over Miladinovich. And we're going to talk about Josh Lapidot in a second. And another thing Alex was right about. Um, sorry, <laughs> I can't help myself, okay? Um, the other thing was just, again, for them to come back, the way, you know, 6-3 Zemel over Mizuchi. Lopsided first sets, and they got four in the bag. And, you know, Boyten and Hurrian were in a battle at court number one. And Bass and Mercer were trading breaks, and it was dead even there. They won the first hour. It's another one of those, would you rather have the doubles point? Would you rather have four first sets in singles? And I always appreciate that we get a double, uh, another data point in trying to prove that quantitatively. I have no question even on this match. I just want to know your reaction. What's your takeaway here from this one? Because like, again, was this just like Kentucky getting that, hey, we don't have Draxel urgency, urgency, urgency. Was it Baylor being like, Hey, they don't have Draxel. We can sort of relax at the start. And they got caught flat footed. Like, I don't know what to make of this. Yeah. I mean, obviously Baylor did what Baylor should do. And that is win the match. Uh, you know, but, but wow. You know, to say impressed would be an understatement with the way Kentucky came out after dropping, you know, they dropped the doubles point and, you know, it was never even close, but, you know, they were up 4-2 on all three courts and, you know, you're just looking around going, you know, there's, you know, Kentucky's just not, they're not in any shape to get back in the doubles and they didn't. Uh, and it, you know, you just kind of thought, well, here we go. Baylor got off a little slow last night. Now, now they get the doubles point, they're going to roll and wow, Kentucky blitzed them. And I tell you what, even though they didn't win the matches and I'll let you talk about, uh, about Lapidat, but even though they didn't win the matches down at five and six, I mean, Mercer, I think if I'm not mistaken, Mercer served for that first set. Did he not at six, five? Yeah. And, correct. He did. In and, and got broken. So yeah. he, he was serving for that set and ends up losing it. You know, Zemmel takes his first set and I watched, you know, a fair amount of both of those matches and those guys to the point where, and this is five and six. That's really just 
six when you put Draxel in the lineup, right? It's two guys battling for six because everybody's going to get pushed down. Um, we've talked about how Kentucky's got a solid top four. And then we go, uh, and that's, that's what's holding them back is being able to, being able to show that they've got a five, six, that's going to be able to compete. I mean, we've got them top 10 in the country. Okay. It's not like we're saying they're a bad team. They're a top 10 team. The question is if you want to be a top four team right now, you can't live off four guys. You know, you, you're going to have to get some guys to develop and show you something. Those guys showed me something. I mean, Zemmel played great against Mizuchi just couldn't. And even that six, two third, was closer than a six, two third, the second, you know, the second break he got, he was up 40, 15, uh, you know, Mercer, I think just kind of ran out of gas after having chances in that first set, but they looked really good. And, you know, Musatelli and Diallo just ran away with their matches. It wasn't just the first set for those guys. They took their first sets convincingly and they took their second sets pretty convincingly. Uh, and then to your, to your point, Lapidot as well with, with the, you know, the breaker and a straight set win over Milodinovic, that's, it's very encouraging for these guys. I think, you know, we had them behind, they were kind of that, that first team or one of the first teams behind the line we were drawing at seven with Virginia, who's obviously not going to be there now. And, and the, it was just a bunch of questions. Does who, who is it? Is it USC? Is it Kentucky? Is it Georgia? Is it Wake? Well, to this point, Kentucky's showing you, yeah, it's, you know, a convincing win over USC, a almost, you know, a super tight match, Draxelis with Baylor. They look, they're the real deal. Yeah. It's so funny about Virginia. I still have them in that group, even though they've lost all of those matches to that group. And what was the stat from Jay? Five consecutive losses for the first time since 2003, but they're all the top five teams. From a scheduling perspective, you brought it up and we're not, oh, don't worry, we won't spend too long on Virginia. Uh, it's tough for them. They're really going to need to beat Wake. Like, cannot emphasize that enough. Boy, yeah, they I, beat yeah, Wake. they're in. Yeah, without spending too much time there, they're they're in a world of hurt. They've got, you know, they only have the ACC plus Kentucky left on their schedule, and and they get Washington tomorrow, which obviously is not going to be a huge point getter for them. So, are we sure? Uh, so yeah, not that, the favorites in the Pac-12 now. Just kidding. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, you, I mean, what what they the. The ironic part there is, yes, they're going to need to beat Kentucky for those points. Yes, they're going to need to beat Wake. But they are now in a position where we haven't even started the ACC season, and they need somebody in the ACC, if not two teams, to step up to be worth points, right? Whether that's NC State and and North Carolina or Duke or Florida State. Sure. They need those – they need some of those teams to clearly – they don't want everybody just kind of mediocre. Let's gather around 2025 because that is not going to be a big, they need, they need one or two of them. You know, you would think off the top of your head and based on where they're ranked now that North Carolina, North Carolina state are probably the two most likely to be able to make potential pushes to say 15 or something like that. If they need a couple teams there, they're, they're going to need that because they just, you know, they've run out of, they've run out of matches to beat people that were worth, you know, good points. Yeah, you ready for the uh, for the um, the transitive property here? They Uh-oh. are so happy North Carolina beat South Carolina because now they can beat North Carolina and get that transitive win over South Carolina just for their points and ditto for NC State. They're yeah, you're right. They're like okay, NC State, Duke, Wake Forest, North Carolina. 
you're only allowed to lose to us. Like you guys need to beat everyone. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. On the flip side, again, enough Virginia talk. Um, yeah, this Kentucky team certainly now in the mix. And, you know, again, they are that good. I don't know who pushed for them to be number 10 in our college contenders, probably the same guy who pushed for Arizona to be number nine. Um, but <clears throat> excuse me, that Kentucky team. Uh, 50, yeah. 50. yeah, exactly. They, uh, it's better than usual. Um, yeah. I mean, Lapidot who's down breaks and is, you know, returning to stay alive in second sets, both yesterday against USC and today, and he wins both matches in straight sets. The lefty, the aggression he plays with, the spirit he plays with. I said when I saw him in Knoxville, I saw it. You just see it. You know it when you see it. A guy who has that much of a game plan is that focused on just executing what he wants to do. That's the difference in college tennis, particularly when it's a deuce point and everyone gets tentative. Lapidot is not. Um, he's an answer at the bottom of their lineup. Now, on the flip side, we haven't even talked about Baylor, who did not play well today. They didn't. And I mean, Sven Law won three games at three. That happens from time to time, but you, and, you know that is not the the typical result for Svenla. Matias Soto, I don't think he, he. When was the last time he lost a straight set when, match? When was the last time he lost a match six one in a, a set six one? Like again, doesn't happen. Diallo just played that well at the number two spot. I thought that had everything to do with Gabe and nothing to do with Matias. But Boyton's rounding into form. Finn Bass, after taking that first set, runs away with it against Mercer, and he's lost, what, one match on the year? He has been an answer at that number five spot. And then they have Mizuchi, who was not playing well and still wins this match in three sets, played better and better certainly as the match went on, and you know wins two games, loses two games, rips off four straight to take a 6-2 third set. They're clearly not peaking right now is the thing, in my opinion, for Baylor. And obviously this is a team we know well and I think that's the scary part is like, they, first of all, Soto and Mizuchi, it's not going to shock me if they end up at the number one double spot at the end of the year, not because Bass and Law are bad, but because Soto and Mizuchi are just that complete as a doubles pairing. Boytown and Paralock are an answer. They fit really well together. Bass and Law are capable of some exceptional tennis, and they were up 5-4 today. I think they've got three really good doubles teams. And just like, again, if Mizuchi's going to play this well at six, if Boyton's going to be Boyton at one, you can find one of two through five, right? And so, I don't know, where are you at with Baylor after 4-3 win here, and then they drop the doubles point, but pretty decisive, you know, four straight set victories against Ole Miss? Yeah, I mean, I, as you said, certainly not peaking, and they haven't, you know, they haven't looked the best, but they're doing exactly what, a team that wants to be a championship team does. And that is when you're not playing your best, you just find a way to win. I mean, that's, and that's what it is. You have to find a way. And they found a way against Kentucky, even, even after Kentucky, you know, managed to come out and get four first sets. You never, you still never really thought they were the heavy favorite because you were, you're looking and going, yeah, it looks like, Kentucky's going to go up, you know, they're going to take two and three. Uh, that looked pretty clear, but you just kind of, you, you, you felt like Boyton was going to win. You, you never doubt. I mean, it was a, it was a three set match, but you just don't doubt. That was the issue. It was six. like, well, Mizuchi's not going to lose at six. So sorry, right. but where's the fourth point coming for Kentucky? Exactly. It's like you had to, you really had to believe that Zemo could pull that match off at six. If you wanted to think that they were going to be able uh, to pull it off because they did, they got 
they they got the lop it out win. And then you looked across the board. And even if, if Finn Bass had dropped that first set, like you say, he's been so good. You didn't really think he was going to lose. And you thought the way the convincing manner in which Zemmel took the first set, that was going to be where it was going to have to come. But were you really a believer that he's going to beat Mizuchi there? No. And so you never, even though it came down to four, three, you just never doubt you, you just didn't doubt it. And I'm sure, you know, they're going, you know, they're going to need to get better. They can't, they can't keep relying on being able to dig out like that. But if you don't have your a game and you still pull it out and, and, and you win like they did, that's, that's what the good teams do. And like you said, their doubles is that's going to be a really fun doubles point tomorrow. I mean, both teams have tremendous In both matches by doubles. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, well, yeah. With that said, let's just get into it. Baylor, Tennessee rematch of the NCAA semifinal. Baylor dropped the doubles point in that match. Dramatic fashion board. Was there a lot of energy after that? And then, you know, came down to third sets at one and two. Soto ultimately knocks off Monday to clinch, but, you know, Walton, Boitan, there were some match points there. It's different characters at the bottom of the lineup for both teams, but I mean, good luck figuring out a match calculus, my friend. That's why they call you the professor. What you got for me? Yeah, I mean, well, look, I don't, I don't think uh, Sven La, I, I can't, uh, who knows, like which Sven shows up, I, I don't know. Matthias, you're not going to get the Matthias that lost one and four today to show up tomorrow. Okay. But he's playing Johannes Monday who just, uh, you know, is not quite as big as Diallo. There's pretty nothing, dang close. There's nothing sexier indoor tennis than saying, Hey, I've got the six, five left. Like yeah. hundred percent. I mean, you know, yeah. So you give up two inches and maybe a, a tiny bit of pace off of what Diallo had, but he's lefty. And that kind of, you just feel like that more than makes up for it. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be tough. You've got to, I mean, again, you, you have to like Tennessee at two. Uh, Walton's been tremendous, but betting against Boitan indoors is crazy. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Um, three that, I, and that could be the swing match to me, that law against uh, Emil Hud match. HUD's great indoors, but he hasn't been dominant. He just manages to win, but he he'll play like three. The, he plays a lot of three there. I apologize for cutting you off. The simplicity of Sven Law, it's just like, hey, return of serve, return of serve, return of serve. He's been ranked number one in doubles with two different partners. The return of serve is never the issue for Sven Law. So that's a really interesting matchup. Yeah, because and yeah, and you know that Emil Hud wants to come in. So if he's hitting returns and he's hitting returns at the you know service line area feet of Emil Hud getting in, it's not going to be easy to handle. So so yeah, that could that could be a very very interesting match. Um, Let me ask you this: If they rolled out of bed tomorrow and we're like, we're going to play Wiedemann versus Stokowiak again because we really enjoyed that match from May, who wins? Six months later, Stokowiak, or six months later, Luka Wiedemann? I love I'll that still you're take. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take Nikki. I He's mean, family, we got to take Nikki. But anyway, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the but I'm. Yeah, I, I'm. Well, and I'm gonna. I'm. I'm taking Mizuchi at six. Oh, I don't care who they roll out. I'm taking Mizuchi at six. Right. What um, if it's Wiedemann? No. I'm so. Yeah. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, Bicknell walks on the court, right? Uh, but 
Yeah, no, I mean, I kind of, I love I, I, the match that I'll tell you the match that I really want to watch a lot of. I want to see Mitsui and Finn Basco. Oh, yes, that is going to be uh, that is going to be a tremendous match. Um, and then again, I feel like at four we've kind of got the guys that you just gave your big apology to to Angel Diaz, and we haven't been super high on him. But uh, you know, I, I'm not super impressed that Marco wins. I haven't seen him like I'm not seeing big weapons. I see that match between those two guys being Three a hours. very yeah, a very grind all day kind of match. I mean, yeah, that that could be that's one of those that if the match isn't four three, that match probably doesn't finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you know, I got I'm gonna stick with my pre-tournament prediction and say it's Baylor and it's Ohio State Baylor in the final. But to your point, what's the calculus? I know I'll I'll say maybe they maybe they grab doubles. I'll like them at one and six, uh, and I think those are key points for Baylor. Is and Walton's been really good, so that's not gonna that's not gonna be easy. Uh, but I I like them at at one and six. I kind of even though even though Finn Bass has been tremendous and and Mitsui lost today, I I kind of like. Mitsui in the spot that he's in. And I like Monday, even though, boy, trying to take Soto down two days in a row, I, that's Doesn't tough, happen. but I still, yeah, I like, I like Tennessee uh, in those spots. And then three, four to me, man. I mean, those are just, they're pickums. And I just say somehow, some way, you know, I feel, you know, just big picture. I step back and go, I feel like Baylor gets it somehow, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a tough call. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a barn burner, folks. And again, Mitsui, uh, excuse me, Harper, Harper and Walton. There it is. I almost said Halton. Harper and Walton taking on Soto and Mizuchi at two. Like, come on, come on, come on! <laughs> like, oh my God, is this gonna be fun? Um, we talk about the depth in college tennis, the parity in college tennis, the extra COVID year providing all these extra players, uh, you know, and increasing the depth. These semifinals are the manifestation of that. And like, you sure you don't want to fly out? Are you sure? Are you like, how? because like you go backwards, you know, so you get three hours of the flight off your resume because of the time zone shift. Yeah, except the red eyes all work the other direction. Yeah, exactly. I'm on the red eye home Monday night. I got to do the Tuesday night women's recap off the red eye. I'm going to have red eyes and for many reasons, (laughs) Um, but it's just going to be a, it's going to be something. Um, yeah, I'm extraordinarily excited. Again, that's our 3.30 p.m. Pacific time, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. No one watches 60 Minutes anymore. Come watch us on our Cracked Records YouTube channel, I promise. Although I love Barbara Walters as much as the next, but I promise we'll have the better programming. No football. No football. What else are you doing on a Sunday? You're coming to watch the college tennis. I said we were going to talk about the other matches. We're not. We're going to save that for Thursday's show when we talk about our other winners from the indoors. But I didn't let you recap day one. I do want broadly, is there any jump outs, any other things you just feel obliged to mention on this platform before we wrap today's show? Take a quick scan. No, I mean, I don't. I'm looking through. I think most of those teams. uh, Was the SEC underrated potentially coming into this? 
Like oh, they brought seven teams in and now we actually feel better because of how good South Carolina and Kentucky are. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, you know, the, the fact that the, the, the second, you know, top team, if you will, it being Florida, you know, second in the rankings anyway, losing early, but, but yeah, everybody else has looked, you know, you've seen like you, like you mentioned, South Carolina was definitely underappreciated by, by everybody questions about Kentucky. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if they were underrated. Uh, I, but I think, I think the people that thought uh, like my co-host that they were overrated are, you know, probably got shown, well, yeah. they, they may not have been underrated, but they, I don't think they were overrated either. They are, I mean, it is just that deep. Like, and I think Jay put out a good tweet. We've seen the SEC over the, the pack, you know, the, the mid tier SEC over the top of the pack 12. Uh, and, you know, they've just, they're doing it to everybody. It's yeah. It, it's just a lot of good yeah. tennis there. Yeah. Matt, why'd you call the SEC overrated? Come on. I don't, yeah. Uh, why would you do such a thing? I don't, <laughs> no, okay. I don't understand. Again, another L I'll take here. So it's still about 50, 50. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone's so like Virginia's Owen two this weekend, Chris, Virginia, they've played TCU and Florida and they lost their first round match. Like sometimes you're just like, what are we doing? Like, this is just the greatest job in the world. I just am very, very privileged. And again, immensely grateful for the ITA to the ITA for this opportunity. Immensely grateful for Mark Bay putting up with my nonsense. Immensely grateful coaches, players. There have been a lot of, oh, I am so sorry. You know who you are. You played at Gonzaga. You came up to me today. You said, Alex, the energy of your show. I love it. I love you for coming up to me and saying that. I made a point. Well, it's not Chris you like. It's me, right? Um, and he was like, no, I like all of you. And I was like, really? Um, and so, no, uh, of course, um, thank you to all the fans who have come up. And if you're a fan listening to this, uh, you know where I'm seated in the Nordstrom Tennis Center. Come say hello. This is It's the best trip in the world, and it's it continues to be the gift that keeps on giving that any of you listen to these podcasts. We are immensely grateful. And again, what was the point of this? I called Chris from my car, first podcast we ever did together, 2018. And I was like, hey, man, I think this is going to be fun because like I, I always knew there was another one of me out there. I just didn't know he was you know, past 40. Um, but I was like, you know, <laughs> I, Hey, that's, that, that's an improvement. I thought you were going to say twice as old. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't say that. Cause I was like, be nice. He's up at 3am. Don't be an ass. Um, sorry about <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, I was like, and again, and he was like, I just, I knew he said that same point. He goes, I didn't know coming out of college that there were people who also loved college tennis as much as I did. And I was like, dude, that's why we started the podcast. I just wish I played. So I had a little more street cred at the start. Um, but yeah, immensely grateful for people like him. He's from Chile. He goes, hey, you've really improved on saying Matias, not Matias Soto. And he was like very complimentary of that. I was like, thanks, man. I was like, I told Mati. I was like, why didn't you just tell me we were getting it wrong? Um, but you know who you are listening to this. Hopefully you made it to the hour 18 mark. Thank you for coming up and all of you listening. Obviously, please continue to come up as well. Shout out to the man himself, super producer Daniel Westoff, whose sister is having her second child and yet 
doesn't abandon the ship. We love you, Stoff. You're the man. We love you, Westoff family. Congratulations. I hope I get to be called Uncle Alex sometime soon. I don't think I'm quite there, but I'm working there. Congratulations to obviously Sarah, her husband, their family for bringing in another child. Obviously, uh, super exciting stuff here at Crack Rackets HQ. But with all that said, yeah, well, two more days to go. Excuse me, one more full day of action. Our coverage beginning tomorrow, 9 a.m. Pacific time, carrying through to our 6.30 doubles point as well. Myself, Mark Bay, Westoff on the call. You can find it all on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Sincerely, folks, again, there's no football anymore on Sundays. You have no excuse. Don't miss out on what will be the best tennis of Sunday. With all of that said, you thought I was going to forget you. It is 2.54 a.m. on the East Coast. 2.54 a.m. And Chris Hallioris is up recording this podcast. I don't pay him a dime. And that is just a testament to his passion for the sport, a testament to, you know, again, him, his desire to help grow this college tennis community as well. And I can't emphasize this enough. I am so mean to you during the day. I feel so bad about it at night. I always sit in my hotel room. and I'm like, did you really need to be that mean to X, Y, and Z today? And you get the brunt of it more than anyone else. You know, I love you. You know, none of it's personal. I'm immensely grateful for you staying awake with me. Any final thoughts, my friend? I just love the, no, let's be clear, clear, Chris. That was directed at you. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite, but I think you're, I think you're, I think you're hitting Maddie. And then you go, no. That was directed at you. Yeah. I live for those texts. That was great. Uh, so for those that want to know, there was a, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, and then I used an expletive you, you can imagine what it is. And then I used in, I called someone an a-hole and there was laughing in the group chat and someone that, you know, cause it's me, Chris, Matt and Jay. And they're like, what? Like, they're like, lol. And I was like, no, no, no. And I said, Maddie, you struck a chord. Yeah, and exactly. I go, no, 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 no. Let me be clear. This is to you, Chris. I'm yeah, so, I'm yeah, so sorry. Is... I knew it as soon as I sent it to. You. I was like, "Did you really need that?" I was like, "Who is that?" <laughs> I was like, "I'm so sorry." I knew it too as soon as I. I was like, "God, sometimes that's an unforced error by me." Yeah. So now you know what Gruskin's doing while he's on the <laughs> podcast. If he's silent for a minute, he's just shooting expletives at me for saying something to. Hey, get to court five. <laughs> 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 oh, well, here's the thing. I can't do it to Westoff because if he's mad at me, it's over. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've had that fight before. Never again. As we said, February 2020, ask Westoff about it if you ever see him. Him and I both agreed. Never again. Um, and that was our first like first week together where I gave him some sad. It was just really funny. February um, 2020. That was Wisconsin. No, it was it was the week in between. So Wisconsin, no, Chicago, Wisconsin, but we went to oh, the week between, between the women that hundred K, right? At that hundred bill. Do you guys want to hear this the tea? Do you want to hear this story? It's late enough. Let's make it to three. Um, so he wanted me to do this interview for a sponsor. And I was like, I really don't want to do it. I was like, that's so stupid. I was like, who's that for? Like, they don't want to do it. I don't even know what I'd say. Like, let's just not do it. And he's like, no, dude, I really need the footage. And like Westoff doesn't ask me for anything unless he really needs it. And I didn't know that because it was our first week at the time. Um, and so I was like, I just, you know how I can get. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, dude, this is really stupid. Um and we screamed at each other in the car. Oh, it was bad. And like, we didn't talk for like the final 10 minutes of the car ride. But like, you know me, I like to scream because like, I'm like, let's get it out. And then afterwards, I'll come over and I'll say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. You know that. And um, we ended up having that breakdown afterwards. We're like, we were not speaking for like a solid 20 minutes. And I like walked inside. I was like, dude, 
I am so sorry. I was like, I did not mean, I was like, we have not slept in six days. And like, oh, and he's like, no, dude, it's fine. And like, we had a huge, like, mea culpa and just like, oh, I love you. You love me. We're in this together. Anyways, that's why I don't yell at West off anymore because we didn't speak for like 20 minutes. And I was like, did Cracked Rackets just fold in week two? I was like, is it over? Um, the good thing. The good yeah. thing that didn't happen. God, I'm trying to think which professional would know. I mean, uh, I'm not going to say the answer, which coach would have seen that side of me the most, but we'll save that for a different podcast. Other thing, shout out to the Washington staff. What am I about to munch on? Not one pack of Oreos, Chris, not two packs of Oreos, Chris, not three packs of Oreos, Chris, but also a freaking snickerdoodle cookie. Do they know me or do they know me? Yeah. Sugar midnight. That is what I do best. Um, with all of that said, my audio is freaking out here. So we're just going to yeah, continue just on. Got really loud. Yeah, I apologize for that fact. Again, sometimes that'll happen from time to time. Uh, the audio pausing on the garage band. We're just going to talk through this all now again. Oh, it's because I put it on the cord. God, Alex, I leave this all in West off. This is again, the fun of midnight podcasting. All that said, shout out to, again, super producer Daniel Westoff. Shout out to our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for my fantastic co-host. And remember, this is the mini break. Chris Halioris, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. No, that's the break. It's a break. Oh, how could this be a break? It's been like an hour and I don't know. Okay. It's a break that transcends days. All right. And I'll tell, hey, Westoff, leave that in because there's no way in hell you're editing this before whatever. It's already three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. So that's See you, folks. Yeah. <laughs> that's the break. <laughs> we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you as always, my friend.